the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. Get it going right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new episode of New Generation Declassified here on the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling's Podcasting Empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week we take a journey back in time and talk about the wonderful years of the World Wrestling Federation uh, between around 1993-ish to about early 1997 always digging up new topics, always finding new things to talk about. And this week is no different as I welcome in a very special guest joining me tonight. Very happy to collaborate with him on our uh, own airwaves here. The one and only Mr. Trent Zuberry joining us from the, what is it? Total nonstop impact. Yes. Podcast. Got that is. one off the top of my head. Uh, in our era, that's no, we don't even know what impact is. We don't know what TNA is in the new generation, <laughs> but nonetheless, very happy to have you on. Today. Yeah. No, thank you. And by the way, uh, bonus points for the perfect pronunciation of the last name. People get that one wrong, even though it's pretty phonetically spelled. People screw <laughs> that one. So I got to give you, I got to give it to you on that one, Chad. Perfect, perfect pronunciation. Thank you. Uh, I am a broadcaster <laughs> aficionado. I you would are. not have done it any other way. I would not have stumbled <laughs> over it and just uh, been like, uh, Trent, uh, you're with us tonight. What's up, dude? You know, I <laughs> got to get the name right. That's the first things first. Um, but you and I, we've uh, been able to be guests together on a show. Yes. Uh, I have appeared on your Total Nonstop Impact podcast in a pop-in uh, role very, very briefly on uh, your vintage TNA uh, review. The throwback show, yeah. Uh, so this is an opportunity for us to chat again, but in a different capacity. Now I'm throwing questions at you, uh, but nonetheless, we intersect one more time. You know, it's funny, Chad. I, mean, I was going to, I saved this to tell you on the show, your appearance on, on, on our throwback show, we're doing the asylum years in TNA, your appearance, that br brief as it was, <laughs> is the most listened to throwback episode we've ever done. And I'm like, did he draw the, did he draw the ears on this? Like what, what real, like that? I was looking at the, the, the numbers today. I'm like, I think it was your episode, like throwback 51 or 52. I forgot which one it was. And I'm like, wow, why is this one like exploded? I'm like, who's on this? I'm like, Chad's episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure purely coincidental. Uh, Unreal. Purely. <laughs> it's that, it's that empire of two man powers. Right? I know. It's right. That empire uh, aspect. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I know. I appreciate that. And I'll tell you, I mean, I loved it. When you, when we connected for that, I was out. Uh, I had just gotten back from the doctor. I, I remember. Had, yeah. I had my Achilles issue, my Achilles heel essentially that was uh, just torn up and uh was late and i was only able to get you for like 20 minutes and yeah. I, I i'd love to come back and do more uh to talk about the franchise and when the franchise popped into uh tna um i had a lot of fun i just wish i could give you more <laughs> no we'll do it again we'll do it again and uh we're, we're we're like at the peak of his his time right now I mean, he's feuding with raven that head shaves about to happen any minute you know like there's some classics. He had a, I'm telling you, his run there, super underrated. Super oh, yeah, underrated. Yeah. yeah. And and I've learned more about it in recent years from him. And and yeah. it's so funny. We always talk about obviously ECW. We talk about Dean Douglas all the time when we yeah. do the triple threat podcast, but we rarely have ever talked about TNA. And I find that kind of funny just because I mean, I remember at the time how big TNA was to like the hardcore fan yeah. and how everybody was popping in. And I'm going to kind of relate that to some of these new generation guys in a few Perfect. minutes. But with Shane, what people don't realize at the time is that out, after Scott Steiner, signed with the wwe shane was pretty much like one of the top names that was left on the free agent market Very and when true. he went to impact i never realized this until many many years later why was he not in the nwa title mix <laughs> i <laughs> never guys, realized this <laughs> oh i i remember uh, where did i hear this i think maybe on a different pod shane was on but that that got brought up and i'm like what a layup that was you could have brought this guy in 
to come right. I yeah, you guys might have talked about it on the show. We've talked about it a yeah. few times in the last year, and I'm and I've yeah. been doing shows with Shane for almost three and a half years now. But like, what a just layup. started to talk about this before. <laughs> I'm like, how do you not? storyline the guy who tried to kill the title and say yeah you're not gonna resurrect this thing i'm here to make sure it stays i mean you could have gone um you could have gotten a half a year to a year program out of that no bullshit and yeah. i'm like you didn't put him in the title picture like that you know we can all say things there was the there was superman jared at the time doing a lot of stuff yeah. that, that gets brought up so <laughs> who knows what it was but man it, what could have been right what could have been yeah because at that point it's not even 10 years old or it's just turning 10 years old. Exactly. So it's still very fresh in the, like I said, hardcore fan mind. Mm -hmm. You remember it very well. Obviously you're thinking of Shane from ECW mm -hmm. and WCW even more fresh at the time. Oh yeah. But the Jeff Jarrett, Superman, you know, the unbeatable uh, rain, the Terminator, <laughs> whatever you want to call him at the time, on par with Triple H uh, in yep. WWE, which I, again, I think a lot of people forget this now. But if you were going to say a one and two of guys that were probably most hated by fans, it was Triple H and Jeff Jarrett because yep. they literally couldn't be beat by anybody on the roster. <laughs> it was incredible. I was just going back for the friend of mine. He asked me, he goes, who was worse, Triple H or Jarrett? And I said, you know what? Unbiasedly, I'm going to say Triple H because it lasted longer. <laughs> like It's like Superman reign of terror lasted way longer. I mean, Jarrett was up there. But man, you're right though. They were literally neck and neck on who's gonna do what on, on each other and on their respective shows. It was weird shows. though because Jarrett, it, it, as a baby face, yeah, it, like he did. I mean, he did eat shit a lot of times, sure, and, and yeah. he did. You know, he lost, but he always won in the end. He always yeah. ended up looking amazing. As a heel, he looked dominant. He but he would eat shit and he would get his, but he'd always still end up reigning at the end. Triple H literally derailed oh my god <laughs> potential mega stars that are still giant stars but you know your kane rvd booker t steiner you know jericho you pick all these guys that at that point he knocked down so many Unreal, Orton, you know and you go on and on and on and he just it just the reign of terror never stopped whereas with jared <laughs> it would eventually kind of hit its peak it did yeah um, just crazy stuff but it's fun stuff, but you know, I'd love to have you back on. Um, one day I, I would love to even get Shane's thoughts on it someday too. I mean, just, just from that inside, uh, take on his, but I gotta say for anybody, and I know we're, we're completely off the rails. We're supposed to be talking to generation. We'll get there. But, we'll get there. But I honestly encourage anyone to just go back and watch the asylum shows. I, Chad, I am having so much fun yeah. rewatching those every week because they're, they are fun fun shows and i am just enjoying the shit out of watching them and just reliving uh those wednesday nights man yeah. it's, it's a blast for me and i and i i encourage anyone just just go in order and just go you know it's like the people who show up and it's like it's so much it's a mystery and it's a blast that's the interesting part and how i'll kind of relate it to the start of our new generation conversation you, you see a lot of guys from wwf period mm -hmm. show up in tna uh, the new generation guys, if you want to look at them from 93, 94, 95, a lot of them were still active, yep. uh, not necessarily all in the legends bin yet, but nonetheless, TNA saw a lot of those WWF guys come through the front doors, but you know, bigger guys like, you know, uh, the road warriors and Mr. Perfect and a lot of the staples hacksaw, Jim Duggan, the nasty yeah. boys, you know, everybody who kind of came through. Um, what do you think? We'll start with TNA, and then I'm going to talk about you as a fan. But sure. what do you think the WWF guys brought to TNA in those early days? Credibility. I, I see it also. I work in the indies here in Chicago at a company called AAW in Chicago, which which Shane is a is a good good friend of. Um, Absolutely, a lot of love, a lot of love uh, for him by the owners. Danny Daniels of ECW fame is uh, one of the co-owners of AAW. So. Uh, I see it here. You you bring you you get that that TV guy. You know somebody who was just on TV, especially their TV, which is strong, and even more so at the time back then. People just love that like familiar face, right? You, you know they love. I know it's like the asylum crowd. They knew AJ. They like got to know AJ Styles, and he became their homegrown boy. But man, when Hacksaw came out, it was like oh, like the yeah. whole place ripped off the roof, and it's like because it's like it's that comfortable guy it's that comfort zone i we know that guy we grew up with that guy you know oh shit. he's here that's awesome i maybe i'll meet him after the show and it's just the familiarity of it 
is what they brought. And then I got to say some credibility too. They people, the average wrestling fan doesn't know the mechanics of what goes into all this stuff. So they look at it like, Oh damn, they're able to get Hacksaw Jim. Dun- oh wow. They got Hooventude Guerrero. They got one. Like they look at like who showed up in TNA. They're like, Oh man, they got Shane Douglas. Like, Holy crap. I knew that guy. And they got him in this, the new company. And it's, so it's just that instant credibility to a, to the average fan. Yeah. Um, and just, just that, just that, just that cred building is what it gave him. Guys that pop off the page to me from a early TNA and WWF new generation uh, list mm-hmm. would be Lex Luger. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Lex Luger played a big part. Uh, Paul Bearer. Yeah. Percy Pringle played, yep. played a big part. Uh, obviously, Jeff Jarrett playing a, a really big part. Are there any other names from the, that new generation cycle, 93, 94, 95, that come to your mind thinking of those early impact shows? Oh, I mean, Scott Hall. He was Scott on Hall, he, he yeah, was show one guy. Uh, Scott, uh, Scott Hall. Inst- I mean, when I rewatched it, there was such an instant credibility of like, you got Razor Ramon here. Holy shit. You're like, what the hell? So that he was a huge one. Um, Vader comes in later on. Perfect comes in later on for a pretty decent run, which uh, sadly got you know stopped in the middle of due to his passing. But God, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, uh, I'm trying to think who else is around. Scott Hall's a big one. I should have kept Scott that Hall's one the big one. The That's number one. Yeah. He's absolutely probably the because he was there show one and that right. was an instant like man Sean Waltman obviously Sean Waltman in there as well absolutely Sean comes in too and and he does his run and it, and it, you start seeing those names and you're like wow I, this this seems familiar I'm I'm comfortable here like I I know these I grew up with these guys just a few years ago yep and uh, and you start kind of you got you kind of start feeling like yeah, I can get behind this because I, you know, they'll, they'll bring in people I know and like, and then yeah, those are those are some big ones, man. Some real big ones. Dusty Eventually. even comes in, you know. Yeah, people, they, Dusty, the Macho Man, from a little bit later on yeah. as they get into, they're past the weekly pay per views at that point, right? Dusty was there early. Dusty was there in the asylum. Macho came in in Orlando. When Orlando, okay, yeah. So that, Dusty was there early. Yes, that, I, it's great. Dusty had a really fun run in, yes, in DNA. It was a lot. I mean, Nikita Kolov even comes back and the superpower reunion that happens. It was amazing. Right. I was like, What's that? Ricky so, Steamboat, a big factor, you know, Steamer, obviously yeah. Brian James, the roadie and the new generation. There we go. Yeah. So there, so there you go. There's kind of the crossover between the new generation. Absolutely. And the Asylum Impact years, which you're looking back on, on your total nonstop impact uh, uh, retro uh, review that you're doing, but let's yep. talk about you as a fan. Yeah, let's go back to the mid 90s. Uh, for me, 38 years old, so for me, it's literally the teen years of I love wrestling, mm-hmm. not a lot of people are watching. Merchandise is in the shitter, they're not, yep. they don't have an action figure line for most of the new generation, <laughs> they're not on lunch boxes, they're not on you know the, the same platform they were with Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. and mm-hmm. Roddy Piper and all these guys. So where were you as a fan in the new generation years? My story's great. Because you and I are the same. I'm 39. I just turned 39. So we're in the same generation. Oh, you old man. Yes. <laughs> um, mine's funny because I grew up as a kid. I was not a diehard. I see it casually. Superstars. Cousins are into it. WrestleMania. Very casually. The way I got it, I really got into it, into it in 94. So a little bit later. Interesting. But I will. I'll never forget my the way it worked out for me was it was the day after the Rumble '94, of classic Brett and Luger over the rope, same time, right? Next day, seventh grade at school, every boy is, is before class starts arguing about it. no Brett won, no Luger won, Brett won, Luger, and and so I didn't see it. I mean, like I casually watched up until this point, very casually. Um, my grandma was into she, my grandma was a big Hulkamaniac. I would sit with her and see it, <laughs> but just not to the obsessive point as a young kid, right? Um, the one that gets turns to me is like, well, who do you think won? And I'm like, I'm like, well, who did you think won? He's like, Brett. I'm like, yeah, me too. He totally pff, winner. So now I'm like, I gotta, I gotta see what these guys are talking about. I have no idea, right? Um, so I mean, that it's a Monday night, the day after the Royal Rumble. That Monday, I, I switch on Raw. Hooked. I'm in. I'm, I'm like, I'm in, right? Uh, and that's it. That's the wave. It starts. It's post Rumble '94 Raw. Many, I mean, you name it. I'm watching everything, and I'm then I'm the guy going to Blockbuster Video, and I'm renting everything. So I get caught up very fast on what happened the last ten years. So new generation for me is my generation where I really became a fan. So to me, that's even though it was such a down period in the business, 
that's what I look fondly on. When I think of WWF, that's my kind of, that's my uh, genesis of where I'm at today, which is a, you know, a super fan historian, podcaster, nerd, whatever you want to call me. But new generation is my, that's, that's my life in a way. Perfect podcast guest. Ed, it is. Time. I'm and telling that's, you. That's absolutely perfect. <laughs> I, I mean, I was the, I or the in your houses, you know, that was, that was, even though those are like looking back, what a weird concept. <laughs> like, very weird. And the shows are very, very <laughs> up and down. So up and down. <laughs> Some of them are, I mean, one of the in your houses, the December 95 in your house. It may not be that anymore because of how the, the business has been kind of in the shitter in yeah. the last few years. But the December 95 in your house was traditionally the lowest buy rate pay-per-view they ever had. Really? People weren't really watching those shows because they were weird and they they didn't always have great cards. But for you to fall in love with the 94 Rumble and on, you're perfect. So, oh, I mean, thank you. <laughs> Chad, I went to SummerSlam 94 in Chicago. That, I mean, oh, it, it got okay. to that point, right? So I was, I mean, I hooked on in January of 94 and that was, man, by by SummerSlam, I'm I'm out of my mind you know i'm i'm in with the signs and i'm 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 all in i'm 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 reading everything i'm magazines you name it i studied it i got caught up fast on where everything was uh, but i was there at 94 first broadcast out of the united center in chicago i was yeah, there for yeah that. we've talked about it on the show many a times we did a whole episode about the uh the lex luger and tatanka mm-hmm. feud and the tatanka turn and some of Great us they have still not <laughs> looking back seen it coming and we're still so shocked by uh the 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 tatanka uh heel turn with dibiase yeah. Uh, but let's talk about that. Let's talk about the 94 SummerSlam and the United Center. And just the the building at the time was like awe striking. And the, mm-hmm. the way they shot it on camera, the way, you know, the macho man is the host in the aisleway. And yeah. you're, all you're doing is looking around at this massive facility and the steel cage when they pan around the steel. They use that shot forever in B-roll footage of the, the Bret Hart and uh, Owen Hart, just the panning. Of the oh yeah because of how the arena looked around it but tell us what are your memories of uh summer oh, 94 my first wrestling event you know i've ever and it's like that anticipation right of your first show it's SummerSlam, and by then you know brett Owen was full force i mean this was i mean owen got the win at mania he's terrorizing him he's like i mean this is it oh owen's king of the ring i mean this is everything's happening here so I was, it was, I was frothing at this. I mean, I couldn't get enough. And, and just that building, I've been there back. Obviously I live in Chicago Hawks games and, and bowls games and stuff and, and concerts and nitro and later on. Um, but the free you know, you don't even forget your first time, <laughs> but like yeah. it was such a, but you're right. That building it to this day has such a, a magic to it. It's such a unique, very, oval layout but you you almost anywhere you stand you kind of you're in the in the uh the nucleus of that oval and you're just you take it all in man but SummerSlam was i remember yeah uh, when match came out he was the first thing out and i just you know I'm, i I got a film camera and i got a photo i'm way up in the upper deck <laughs> but just having a moment and then he came up during the pre-show like i'm talking maybe 50 feet from me uh, to do like, you know, I'm in the stands, brother. And, you know, he's like doing this and they're about to start. And it's like, holy shit, he's right there. I was like, my macho man's right there. Like what? And so it's just mind boggling. Um, I did. I'll tell you a quick little story. This is a total yeah, go ahead. Hard. I want to hear it. I bought the first piece of merch I ever bought was the Bret Hart glasses. The classic Bret Hart sunglasses. The best. Had them forever. Um, I met Bret in 2016. And I remember taking those glasses with me. I said, yeah, I'm going to see if he'll sign these. And I, I met him and we sat down at this table he was at. And I said, Hey, I got these. I said, I bought these at, at SummerSlam 94, you and Owen. I said, I just, um, and I said, Can I tell you a little story about it? And I also had another story about a house show. There was, there was a house show loop that came around afterwards called the Heart Attack Tour. Yes. And I'll, yep. I'll touch on that in just a second. But I bought these glasses. I gave it to Brett. He's like, he looks at me. He's like, You've had these since 94. I go, I'm like 13 years old. I saved up my allowance and I bought those at SummerSlam. So he takes them and he signs them. Brett the Hitman, great signature, by the way. Oh, the best. The- One of the best. Oh, so good. Brett the Hitman. And then he times it S-Slam 94. And he looks at me and he goes, 
far as I'm concerned, you got these signed in 94. And he like winks at me. And then I, at this point, 2016, I was a 35 year old man, Jed. Okay. At 30, I'm a grown man. And my childhood hero just gave me that, like that classic Bret Hart wink that, you know, that he would do sometimes, you know, to his family, or he just looks at me, he's like, got it. You know, that's between us. And I'm like, instant child just turned to a, a kid right there. I'm like, my, my childhood hero just like not only lived up to his expectations, but it's like, did pull the super cool move for me. So framed on my wall back here, <laughs> just very proudly hanging on the wall. That's awesome. You know what I wish I could do too, for the image for this podcast. I wish I could yeah. take that picture of Brett slapping the one kid five and, and just put your face on it. <laughs> <laughs> the classic one from the music video. Yeah. The kids look, he's, he's like this and the kid's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want to put your face on that. Cause that's uh that see like that's, and to me, that's, amazing because we've talked about the Bret Hart glasses on this mm. show countless times. We've done shows about merch. We've done shows about house shows. Everybody goes back to the Bret Hart glasses and everybody Every had a pair of them. Mm -hmm. I had a pair of them. They're long gone. I sold them years ago because I'm just a, a grifter <laughs> like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, but I wish I still had them because they were around 96. I think I got them at a house show yeah. at the Middlelands in New Jersey. But uh, that is, that's unbelievable. And as far as I'm concerned, you were sitting next to the British Bulldog at SummerSlam. Hey, <laughs> we were both in the stands, man. I remember I remember being on the upper deck and looking down and thinking, I'm like, yeah, I was way far. Up. I mean, you guys said it's gigantic. It's and, huge. Yeah. And I remember looking, I'm like, is that for you? I mean, Anvil's there too, right? And I'm yep. like, is that Jim the Anvil? Like, no. And I remember when, and then the front row, obviously you'll always look for family in the front row. So you, I started seeing the family. I'm like, wait a minute. That's. That's Davey. I'm like, wait, that's the British bull. Because you remember, he no dreads yeah. now. He had the curly oh, hair at that point. Yep. And I was trying to reckon. It's so funny how time works, too. Uh, that's 94. He was in WCW in 93. Yep. Um, but it felt, and he was in WWF in 92. I mean, it only been like a year and a half that he'd been gone. But it felt ancient. Like, it yeah. felt like he'd been gone forever. Oh, my God. He's returning. It's like, he's only been gone a year and a half. <laughs> like, But it felt like forever. But, um. It, no, let me tell you about the heart attack tour though. This is my this is why I to this day love Owen Hart. And I'm a huge Owen Hart guy because he was the first heel I ever got into, really, was Owen Hart. And uh Owen, so heart attack tour coming down. He's taking on, I want it. Oh, it was Brett. It was him and Brett doing the the, the rematch, which of course, you know, the heel never wins on the house show. But um, I'm on the aisle, Chad. I'm on the aisle. Owen's coming down and and I'm 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 13 and I'm excited because I'm I'm I've been high fiving guys all night, you know, Razor, Bulldog, they're all high fiving me all night. Owen comes out, I pat him on the back, you know, like the big, you know, the, the aisle was like, you get the aisle, you're the luckiest kid in the world. And I pat Owen on the back and he just looks at me, and goes, Don't touch me. And I'm like, <laughs> and you know, that moment you freeze, you're like, holy shit, he's gonna kill me. But then he looks at me with that Owen heart face, and then he kind another, another heart guy like give me the wink of approval but he looked at me and he kind of gave me that wink like it's okay it's okay i'm not really mad at you but playing it up here <laughs> like gave me that That's wink awesome. and i i swear to you chad i wrote about this um uh i wrote about on twitter once when she, when his uh, the dark side of the ring came out but like in that moment like that was a 10 second exchange it felt like 30 minutes and i was the only kid in the room man like this dude just he he gave me that like it's okay. We're just playing. <laughs> yeah, don't be, that's, don't that's be scared. Unbelievable. And that's something that you still carry to this day. I'll never forget the face. I'll never forget the look he gave me. And he he just gave me, I'll never forget the look. And he, then the wink of just like, we're cool. Don't worry. Don't be scared. <laughs> and I was like, man, what a guy. So yeah, that, uh, That's so cool. Great stuff, man. So the hearts and Trent are over together. They're oh, basically time. one entity uh, as one. Uh, you you did not mention that the Anvil had on one of the coolest pair of blue and black stretch <laughs> pants. And I'm sure from the upper deck, you could have seen very clearly. Um, mm. But that show itself is just such a, an iconic show for the era because it had the steel cage main event. It had yeah. the Luger Tatanka match. It had uh, what else? It had the Walter Payton uh, in the corner of That's Razor right. Ramon for uh, Diesel. Uh, excuse me. No, it was Diesel and Diesel. Razor Ramon. Yep. I mean, just, you know, big stuff for that era. Now, do you remember Walter Payton and, and the whole uh, interaction with the Chicago crowd? Oh, dude, he to this day is so beloved in chicago i mean there's a school named after him here a high school named after him here his kids are very involved in his legacy uh he's very loved because you know it was a life cut short 
but he's part of a very uh, iconic team and everything. And he, he's he's one of those icons, Chicago. He's he's right up there with Michael Jordan, you know, and, and as far as Chicago athletes go. But that whole time, he was you put Walter Payton in the middle of uh, a Chicago crowd or sports crowd, especially or even wrestling crowd. I mean, there was a lot of crossover, more so at that time. Now it's more I, I like to say it's the theater kids that are the fans of wrestling today. Yeah. But yes, back then it was. Back then, it was the sports crowd crossover, and you put Walter Payton in there. I mean, you're you're gold. I mean, you're printing money at that point. So he was so over with that crowd. Oh, he gets the shirt ripped the whole nine oh, yards. You know, it's like uh, it. <laughs> it was time to party with uh, Walter Payton there. But that show, yeah, just a benchmark of the era. Um, we've had on the airwaves. I mean, we've had you know people who have gone to WrestleMania ten. We've had mm-hmm. SummerSlam, uh, excuse me, Survivor Series ninety two. We've had Survivor Series 96. Now we can add SummerSlam 94. Absolutely, man. uh, To that list. Uh, Such a cool little thing. Now, talk about, too. So, you know, that's where you kind of got your jump start. Yeah. Uh, Your guy was Brett. So kind of take me through your your fandom throughout the years. Do you get kind of lured when WCW is starting to stack? The NWO, or do you stay loyal to the WWF? Oh, no. I I was a channel flipper, but I was definitely more of a WCW guy. I mean, I was... Damn when I jump, yeah. When <laughs> I jumped, like I, dude, a hundred percent. When I when I jumped on in '94, like full time, like I said, I was watching casually. I'd see Saturday night, even prior to '94, I'd see WCW stuff in the store. Like I was, I knew who Sting was and Ric Flair was, you know that kind of stuff. But man, when Hogan came in in '94, right? That was when was the ticker take parade? I want to say it was around June, July, July, yeah. And he's on the cover of all the magazines that I'm now buying. Uh, I'm I'm watching every week, and then man, when when WCW kicked off, it just I mean the NWO was cool. I was turning, you know, I was 14, 15. I mean, that's yeah. you got these guys who are cool wearing black t-shirts, and all the all the guys want to be him, and the girls want to be with them, and you know, you got Doink the Clown still running around the other side. It's like, nah, dude, I don't <laughs> go with these cool guys. <laughs> these guys are cool. <laughs> but as you mentioned. You know, Brett's still over there, and that's my guy. You know, that that's my hero. And I'm like, I still gotta see what Brett's doing. You know, I gotta be up with what what's going on, Brett and Owen, and then Razor and oh, I'm sorry, Razor left, but Brett and Owen and, and Bam Bam and all those guys. And I want to see what's happening. As so I I was a channel flipper, I kept up with everything. And not to mention, I'm not gonna get into the ECW portion of when I turned 15, and now there's like blood. Right, we all, yeah, we all change. I mean, look, I, I've said it on this. I, I, I'm intrigued by the WWF stuff because of how the Attitude Era would change the game, right? And yeah. only a mere few years earlier, it was this right. WCW. I mean, I've said it on the airways before. You know, there's ladders and there's stairwells in Thompson Middle School in uh, Middletown, New Jersey, that have NWO for life etched yeah. in them with my initials underneath it because oh. I thought I was in the NWO. And I've told that to both uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash to uh, perhaps a whimper uh, or maybe even a slight <laughs> little chuckle. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, ECW also, yeah, changed the game because they're playing heavy metal music. Oh, yeah. They're playing Nirvana. They're doing Guns N' Roses. They're in your life. Like, wow, I don't know what this is, but I want to be with it no matter what. Everything, and, yeah. And you kind of go like, they're making fun of the WWF. You're kind of like, like on the yeah, side, yeah. you're of like chuckling. You don't want to outright laugh at it because you're still watching it, but you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that sucks. You know, I don't know uh, what I'm thinking when I watch right. that. It, it's so weird because you are so torn in so many different directions. You are being pulled in every direction around that that new generation time period. Cause all this stuff was starting to come up, you know, WCW's getting a footing uh, in, in, in the game more ECW's doing what they're, that's like, you're like, man, I want a little bit of this and a little bit of this, but my, my nostalgia still pulls me to the new generation. Like my comfort zone is this, right? Exactly. You know? I feel happy. Like this is my, my child that is here. Yeah. But man, I like that Francine and I'm, I'm you're a, you're an adolescent boy and you see Francine walking here. Like, well, I don't give a, damn what you know tl hopper's doing <laughs> i want to see this hot, that's hot valet walk out you know? <laughs> like, and, and that's the way it is and that's why i i love it but so like, we, when we were talking you know and getting you to come on and scheduling the time yeah i just asked you i said you know like what's something you think about right well what, what's one of the first thing that comes to your mind and you mentioned the bret hart and hakushi feud yes and the reason i, I would we'll kind of talk about that as we get to the wrap-up portion of the show because like i said we're not a long show and we're not mm-hmm. reinventing the wheel we're chit-chatting sure uh this this feud this little program for brett is like 
a stop off on the highway of the hitman. You know, it's like yeah. Owen is always there. 93, 93 when uh, the Survivor Series uh, little thing happens in the ring all the way to early 97 when, you know, Raw turn. My, why stop this new generation era when Raw turns to Raw's war? That's when it's oh, over. Okay. I gotcha. gotcha. That's, the, that's it. That's when the hearts reunite and it's all over. So Brett had all these weird little uh, exits on the road of the hitman, right? He went yes. Jean-Pierre Lafitte. You know, yeah, he'd, another one. <laughs> he'd stop off at Jerry Lawler a couple of times. He'd face Diesel. He'd go with the anvil a little bit. He'd always yeah. have somebody. But Hakushi's weird because it was like a very short amount of time, but they had a lot of interaction and they had a couple pretty big profile matches on In Your Houses. Yes. Um, And I think they kind of got forgotten over time, you know, because Hakushi wasn't really an established character. Mm-hmm. at the time but for him to be with brett he automatically got elevated so what do you kind of remember about this feud what i what was interesting at the time too was he was he was probably one of the first japanese stars i'd see crossover remember i'm i'm a later fan right so to me i had seen little remnants of jushin liger uh and wcw what i was kind of flipping through and and seeing casually here and there because he did the uh that cruiserweight tournament with um with that he with Pillman the year prior, I want to say was that 93 where he did the WCW appearance. Yeah. And you kind of heard of Jushin. And then obviously when my studying going back, but you got to learn more about these guys. And WCW was bringing in the Japanese talent later on. But Hakushi was unique to me because he was one of the first like foreign towns to come in from Japan. And then the tattoos, right? Like all the tattoos on the body, which I love. I to this day I remember jerry law or you know somebody saying to jerry law like what do you think that is on his body goes, i think it's his grocery list <laughs> like, <laughs> no, i forget that Perfect. but like he was so different and it's like brett was doing all this other stuff and then there's a guy who kind of gave him a little run for his money in the technical side of wrestling and that's where i'm like opening up the technical wrestling and i'm like wow he's kind of going toe-to-toe with him on these moves like you know brett's the technician and he's the scientific wrestler and here's this guy like kind of matching him up and anticipating it. I'm like, God, what an what an interesting little dynamic. And I just remember the matches are very underrated if you watch them. And Hakushi, I got to say, Jinsei uh, Shinzaki is so, he's like, he's like water, man. Like he, he is an, he's an amazing performer. Yeah. Um, I loved watching him. I, I went to ECW later on with Hayabusa and that match they had with uh, RVD and Sabu and whatnot. Oh my God, just classic stuff. He is such a great performer. And that match, that, that feud of Brett to me was just the first time I saw Brett taken to a different limit. Like Owen, Owen, the Owen feud was great because it was like, who knows him better than his brother? And right. It was like that sibling rivalry and just that back and forth. But the Hakush thing was like, this guy has him outsmarted even, you know, like out and almost like I, I already know how to counter you. Not that I even know what you're going to I know how to counter you. Right. It, it was, it was great. It was just so unique to me at the time. Hakushi, for fans that are listening now and haven't seen it before and want to go back and check stuff out, and this is one thing that I love about doing the show is introducing stuff to people. Yeah. He looked like he could float. Exactly. He would hit the second rope, do some sort of turn in midair, but he didn't look like he was putting any effort behind it. He literally looked like he had moon shoes on and he could float. He could (laughs) hop from one, he could he could jump from one rope to the next rope and then turn in midair. But it looked effortless, and whether it was a Brett counter into an arm bar or it was some sort of, you know, kick or something, mm-hmm. it just was – you had not seen anything, especially on a main event level guy like with Brett, at the level of Hakushi. The floating, exactly. the jumping, the, the kicks, this and that. It was just it's a, an interesting little, like I said, a stop on the hitman's road. It, it, it was so – he was so unique, and he was quiet. You know, he didn't really – exude too much emotion he was just like man i can't even i might remember I, I'm, I'm talking 13 14 years old. I'm, I'm like i can't even under, i can't get in this guy's head i don't know who he oh and i got oh and i get it he's the bratty little brother who just wants to prove himself and kick his brother's ass but Haku's like, i can't even figure out who this guy is like who like what is he trying what is he doing like it so intrigued me um and I, I encourage anybody if you're listening to this go back and watch those matches and just watch them with that not today's perspective where you've seen it all 800 times. I'm talking watch with that simplistic match perspective, one-on-one, and knowing Bret Hart as you know him. Watch with that perspective and just see how smoothly Hakushi fits right into this puzzle. It's really cool. 
Yeah, and I believe it's the Mother's Day in your house in 1995. Yes. Yeah. Where Brett pulls double duty in the opening match, he takes on Jerry Lawler. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my and, God, I forgot about this. Yeah. And they they work Brett's leg the whole time. <laughs> and the whole point is that Brett is supposed to have this second match with Hakushi later on in the night. Now, here's the interesting part: in your houses were only two hours when they first started airing. I think that was either the first or the second in your house. Might have been the first. I think it's the and, first one, and it was only yeah. fourteen ninety five at the time. Yeah, and it was a bar. It was fourteen ninety five. Um, two matches for Bret Hart, but you don't think he can compete after the first because he hurts himself leaving the ring. Yep. They're they're playing it up the whole time that he can't compete, but nonetheless, Bret is deking everybody, and he really is okay. He gets to the ring. He has this really great competitive match with Hakushi. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I, I should have pulled it up and see, this is me trying to go off the top of my head because I think I'm so smart, yeah. and I think that I'm like the greatest guy in the history of uh, wrestling history, but <laughs> uh, I, I just, I, he lost one, he won one. I'm going to pull it up as we're talking. It was in your house one, and on that event, hang on, let's get to a quick da, yeah, da, pull da, it up. Da, Let's see, where is it? This is me stalling for time. Absolutely. Uh, Bret Hart <laughs> defeats Hakushi, but I think he, I, he loses to Jerry Lawler. That was it. I was getting the uh, the 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 order flipped in my head, but he loses to Jerry Lawler. He hurts himself leaving the ring. You don't think he compete against Hakushi. They think the it's going to be a layup. He ends up beating Hakushi, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> That was, that was it, it. their feud. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It ended weird because they were trying to dual feud him with Lawler at the time. They had to kiss my foot match. That in there was somewhere. the next month. Yeah. And it's like they were trying to do this dual feud. And it's kind of like how Kushi was just used as like someone to break Brett down, um, you know, for that for that Lawler feud. But I feel like if they would have ran with these two and let Hakushi get a win back, it would have instantly elevated him as well. Um and I'm kind of shocked that Brett didn't want because Brett was pretty vocal about who he wanted to work with and elevate and put over. I I'm kind of shocked that he didn't, you know, push for this one more. But who knows what kind of plans they had backstage and what they wanted to go with. I know they were basically just stalling for for time in a lot of ways with, with all this going on with with what they were doing. And they're too busy giving away a house on that pay-per-view. I know, so. right? Yeah, they're too busy giving away <laughs> the house that I think whatever had it, some issues and some weird shit happened to it. Uh, for, for context, the pay-per-view uh, uh, matches, Jean-Pierre Lafitte defeats Bob Holly. Mm. Uh, let's see. Razor Ramon defeats Jeff Jarrett in the roadie. I believe that's also the debut of Savio Vega. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Mabel yep. defeats Adam Baum in a King of the Ring qualifying match. Who would have thought that Mabel would actually win the King of the Ring? Yeah. Uh, following month, <laughs> Owen Hart and Yokozuna defeat the Smoking Guns in a tag team title rematch from WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. uh, Diesel defeats uh, Psycho Sid in a singles match by disqualification. That is the match. Where Diesel's elbow, elbow, um, yes, destroyed basically in the midst of his uh, title run. But then there are three dark matches at this. Oh. Show. Okay, did you know this? I did not know this. Tell me. Okay, the Undertaker defeats Kama in a dark match. Dark match number one. Bam Bam Bigelow defeats Tatanka. Okay. Now a year ago, that's a death feud. Yeah. A babyface Tatanka and a heel Bam Bam. Now they're flipped. Right. Right. And Owen Hart fought the British Bulldog to a draw in a King of the Ring qualifying match in a dark match. In a dark match? Yeah. <laughs> That's so... What an odd setup this whole thing is. Like, it's almost like they were planning, like, we'll release these on, like, a, on a tape delay in case, like, Raw has bad weather. We'll put these out or something. Like, why would you dark match those? That There's no... Did they ever get released anywhere? Uh, not to my knowledge, but one of the uh, the funny things in doing my research for this episode, yeah, uh, on one of the WWE's unreleased matches uh, compilations they put out over the last couple of years, mm -hmm. they actually released Jerry Lawler and Hakushi taking on Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels from a house show. What? So we didn't, yeah, <laughs> we didn't get these three matches, but that's a pretty damn good tag team pairing. Wow! Wow! That. Shit, man! <laughs> like, there's this is like the lost era of the uh, of the of the new generation, more <laughs> like lost match. I would love to see some of this stuff. Holy that God. I will drop in the, uh, the 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 posting of this episode. Please tomorrow. do dropping links for people to follow uh, as I talk because I was told I I say nine million things and I never like have a link for people <laughs> to watch because again I'm just shooting shit off the top of my head. Uh, but I will drop that and you will watch it and you will, uh, I'm sure enjoy Mind it. Blown. Mind blown, man. What a, what a time, <laughs> what a time, such weird stuff happening around them, but so endearing to me to this day. I just, 
Now you have me thinking about the in your house. I remember you know, thinking about entering the contest to be in the um to get the house. You know, like I was I entered the con- I mailed in. You know, calling into live wire, getting through a live all that whole. Oh, era. you got through. Wait, 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 wait. We yeah. don't just glance over stuff like that. We've done a whole episode about live wire and how it was ahead of its time. Uh, you got through on live wire. Got through. I forgot what I asked. Something really dumb. I'm, I think it was like something about like. I want to say like, do you think like so and so is going to show up? I think I might have made a WCW reference, and they quickly shut me down. Man, it was like, <laughs> I think I said something like, "Good, you know." Did you ever think maybe Sting could show up or I said something really stupid? And I was like, like, nope, doesn't look like it's gonna happen. Everything is like shut me down or so. I don't know, Ooh. man. I just remember being shut down fast. Like, yeah, I'm talking like question out. Nope, nothing gonna happen. Okay, next caller. Like they got rid of me quick. <laughs> but I got I hope, through. I hope that's on the Jim Ross has a bad day uh compilation. No, it's, I'm not on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think when I called in, it was uh it was a Todd. Todd Pettengill host. Todd, the yeah. Yeah, it was Todd. And he he was nice enough, but he got rid of me fast. It was because again, I'm 94. I'm asking about WCW. They're like, get the hell out of here. You know, <laughs> it was so stupid. But that, uh that show was a soft spot in my heart. Oh, sure. I loved it. I even sent in a fax. Uh, I remember my dad had a fax machine at the house, so you could send in a fax, and you had a fax machine, you were ahead of the time. You can get your fax read. <laughs> and I think I did even get a fax read about and they didn't they didn't say I remember being so bummed because they didn't say my name. Uh, okay, I think I forgot to put my name on the fax, but it was like, do you think Brett and Noah and Walter be friends again or something? <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't say my name, and I remember being so devastated that they didn't say my name on the fax because I forgot to probably put it on there. You know, I was so excited to send it in. They go, uh, Mark from Chicago. Well, Pretty much. No, no, no. He's a Mark. Don't, uh, don't worry. He knows it. I thought but, it was so uh, cool faxing in, too, man. But, you know, you botched. You don't put your name on it. You're not getting, you're not getting the credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Well, I think it, we'll definitely have to revisit you coming on again and talk I'd love about to. something more specific. Maybe the Heart Attack Tour. I love going through the house show cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love checking that out. Um, we had on uh, a good buddy of mine, uh, Chris Pavone, who was Kalen Croft in the Dude Busters back about 10 years ago in mm-hmm. WWE. He, we ran down one of the cards he went to as a as a kid because he ended up performing in the same arena as oh. the WWE superstar, and all he could think about was that he was, you know, sitting there when he yeah. went. To the house. So I love looking at house show cards. Maybe we'll run down the Heart Attack tour and be kind great. of look at how they would name the tours: World Tour de Force, the WrestleMania <laughs> Revenge Tour, yes. all these ran the ro- the WrestleMania Rage Tour, all these things, the, the Revenge, all that shit. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll look at that next time uh, we'll have you on but i uh, appreciate you uh coming on and sharing some memories i told you it's just a hodgepodge it's just a conversation it's not so reinventing fun. the wheel not beating you over the head saying we know everything and we're experts this is just a conversation for a fan to talk to other fans and like i said introduce people to stuff uh make you revisit things that you forgot about and mm. like i said with that house show match show you something the historian the podcaster yeah. i'm going to introduce something to you that you've never seen before i love it man don't no, thank you. it's it's fun i mean because this is it's my childhood so i can sit there with a buddy and talk about it and just like reminisce that i'm all for it because you know you don't you don't get to nowadays as much you know you're too focused on other stuff and i i have all i have a shelf full of the dvds and you know rarely do you get the time to sit down and watch them but i have i have some pending i'm like i want to just throw this on one day and just let it play and just let and reminisce about the time. Uh, we just never get around to it, but it's great to sit, you know, have this time blocked off to talk to you about it. And just, all those memories are rushing back to me. And like I said, I just remembered that I did send him to win that damn house. And I remember telling my mom, like, hey, we might win a house. <laughs> like, get a house, mom. We're blowing off Chicago. We're heading down to Florida. Oh, my God. And I heard it was a disaster, too. Like you mentioned earlier, like it was, I heard it was, it was such a mess with that house. Like something happened. I remember reading something about it. I can't it remember. Was, it was a piece that was done about it years ago. Yeah. And it was some kind of disaster. It was some kind of issue, which, of course, it had to have been. If it of was course. a free house. You know, it, <laughs> it, it was, I mean, if it was the poltergeist house, it couldn't have been any worse. You know, what right, I mean? right. <laughs> What a time to be alive. I thought you kids today with your indies and you think you think this is the end all be all. You don't even know, man. You don't even know what it was like. <laughs> Those yeah. days. They're before giving away say, houses. Let me ask you this. Before we say goodbye, you know, you're the perfect guy to ask about the future of the indies. This is just my mm-hmm. uh, kind of uh just me having you on the air and asking you this sure. question. 
Uh, where do you see it going into this year? You know, because the Indies kind of died last year, yeah. at, at being about as hot as a pistol uh, mm-hmm. going into 2020. Uh, where do you see the Indies uh, 2021 and uh, maybe 2022? I'll tell you, I was just having this conversation and I work like, yeah, I work for AAW in Chicago. We were one of the biggest Indies in the country. And we have, I mean, everybody has come through our doors, right? We've storyline long-term through our doors, including Shane, but uh, it's, we started off 2020 hot rebuilding new stars. We had all these new people going and we were on fire kicking off 2020. And then we got shut down, obviously, you know, in, in, in March. And it was such a bummer. You know, you waited it out. All that stuff happened. You don't know what's going to happen. And here we are a year later in this year, the amount of indie talent that got signed up and scooped up because all the companies are desperate for names and they'll just take, you know, even premature talent at this point, which is it's that to me is mind boggling because you're not even getting guys and girls on the indies to just develop that character and get the kinks out and build an indie following. They're all signed up. Uh, this, I was just saying, this reminds me of if, if anybody could think back about 10 years, 2010 was very similar to something like this where everybody got scooped up out of ring of honor out of yeah. the indies and everybody got scooped up that wwe tna like they were yeah. all gone that's where and yeah rollins and uh that whole group uh, claudio they all just kind of chris hero they all started Nigel, yeah danielson everything. owens they all started to go wherever that yeah, was right. it they started just leaving man and it took about two years to replenish the indies i remember i was going to aaw as a fan and, and Ring of Honor, because they were coming here regularly a lot. And they were just thin rosters, man. And you were just like, I mean, you didn't know anybody. You're, kind of, you're going to the show either way. Looking back at it, it took almost two years to kind of get those names reestablished um, to like where these are guys, these are the new, this is the new crop, you know? Um, and I see that happening now. I think that we're in a rebuild period because, I mean, for example, AAW, we, we did, we ran three limited capacity shows in, um, in 2020, we were able to come back with limited 50 person capacity, <laughs> about a handful of the names we had on those shows has been signed up now. Wow. To WWE. They're gone. Like, like they're all, they're all gone. It's like, that just happened. The last one happened in November and they're gone. So it's hard to even build storylines. I think where you're going, you're going right to the schools. You're getting, you're, you're talking to the trainers and you're saying, who do you got? Send them in who, who, who's training, who, you know, have some rookies ride in and you're really building from the ground up again. And I think 20, whatever 2021 ends up being. And I, I personally feel, uh, especially in Chicago, I mean, we're at our lowest numbers of this whole thing and the vaccines out. I think by spring, we're kind of back to some shows, whether they're full capacity or not, that's another thing. But, uh, 2021 is a full replenishing year of figure out who's even going to be on your roster and not be signed up in the next year. Mm-hmm. 2022 is your reestablishment year. So I think you're about a year and a half to two years away from like getting the Indies really rocking again. About a next in the next year, you'll really see where things are going. 22 is when you'll start seeing it kind of gel again. So we're about a year away from anything really happening. All right. Well, that's yeah. good enough for me. You know, it's uh, it's just funny, you know, talking to Shane, talking to Francine, yeah. you know, and, and doing conventions and, and, you know, myself looking to see what's out there. And I, I the stuff that I'm doing now is all private. I do private signings. I go to yeah. directly and bring that. And I like that. <laughs> but, you know, the, the shows, the conventions, the indies, they got to get up and running. And uh, hopefully that's sooner rather than later. So I hope so. I hope so. I, I mean, I, I look at Chad. I mean, honestly, it, we're. I don't know about where, where I mean, all the other states and stuff, but I mean, things are, things are going in the right direction as well as there being a vaccine. I, I hope that we're on that path of, okay, we can get back to life here because things are really moving as they should be moving. So what's right. stopping us now? Right. So we'll see what happens <laughs> next few months. We'll be telling. It's all, uh, it's all out there. Just see it where the chips fall. So, all right, give uh, the listeners of New Generation Declassified all the four one one on what's going on in your world, AW, the impact, the Total Nonstop Impact podcast, your other podcasts you do. The floor is yours. All uh, right, hit us with it. All right, here's a lot of plugs coming up. All right, <laughs> the primary <laughs> show, Total Nonstop Impact podcast, the TNI Network. Uh, we do we do the post show every Tuesday night after Impact goes off the air on Access TV. 
Uh, we're like the official, unofficial post show because Impact's literally feeding us guests. Like they're calling me and say, "Hey, can you put so and so on?" But I'm like, "Sure." When you get a when you get a put it, it's your official podcast. <laughs> but uh, we do the post show every Tuesday. Uh, Thursday is the Asylum Throwback shows. We're on episode 57 this week. So Shane and full Shane and the Raven feud is like is flying. Like that's that's Jim Mitchell's in there. There's there's the new church. I mean, it's full force right now. Uh, and then Sunday nights, we do the uh, Impact Plus Weekly uh, Breakdown, the Explosion Syndicated show, and just talk some news of the week. Uh, in between there, I do the Backstage Boys podcast with my good buddy, Basil, who is the photographer for Impact, but now a doing some stuff with AEW. Uh, one of my best friends, Chicago scene photographer as well. We talk production talk behind the scenes. Ooh, I like you know, that. Yeah, we talk about what goes the logistics of an indie show. You know, It's a lot more work than you think. So... I uh, talk about the media side of things, creating stories, uh, talent acquisition. I mean, all sorts of like, how do you lock in talent to how to book the building and just what goes on for shows. Just that backstage talk. Those are the podcasts. Um, you guys can get me at Transiberry over on Twitter. That's my direct. And I, I retweet all the stuff I do. So that's probably the best way to get me. But uh, AAW Pro, AAW Wrestling. Uh, that is the, uh, like I said, one of the bigger indies in the country and we've seen them all, uh, owned by Danny Daniels of ECW fame, the heel referee of ECW who got his, uh, his brains rearranged by new Jack, uh, after he tried screwing Jerry Lynn out of the ECW title. <laughs> so, uh, but good friends, uh, good friends of Shane Douglas as well. And I think Chad, I told you that story about, uh, Shane making an AW appearance, uh, for like a party. Yes. And just being the most charming guy in the room. <laughs> I'll never forget that. But uh, but yeah, check out AAW Pro. A lot of free matches online. A lot of, lot of content out there. It's on the High Spots Network as well. So uh, support your local indie guys. It's it's really one of those things where everybody needs a little bit of a uh, little bit of love right now until we kind of get back to normal. So please do. So you can't keep exposing the franchise as this baby face. I know. <laughs> He's a heel. He'll say it to me all the time. He's a heel. Damn it. Don't say all these nice things about him. That's true. But man, he's such a cool dude. He's uh, such he a cool guy. He's the man. So, all right. If you want to follow me, it's at Chad EMB, Instagram and Twitter. For more from the TMPT Empire, go to TMPTEmpire.com. If you want to listen to the Triple Threat podcast with the franchise, Shane Douglas, myself, and my partner, JP John Paz. Head on over to Vince Russo's Russo brand, as well as all the other TMPT Empire podcasts that are a part of the Russo network. And for me and Francine, it's eyes up here on Patreon, patreon.com slash Francine podcast. Uh, also uh, simulcast on the Creative Control podcast network uh, every weekend. Uh, and my website is ibexclusives.com. There I have my autograph signings. Check it out if you want to uh, kind of see what's brewing over there. And appreciate you coming on, Trent. Love all the things you're doing. You're, Thank a, you, you're man. an asset to the podcasting industry. And uh, keep building on that because you've got a lot of talent. And that's uh, endorsement from the Chadster. It means a lot to me, man. Thank you. Oh, my Thank pleasure. You. So for Mr. Trent Zuberry, this is the Chadster. We will catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.